0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standard Groom Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standig, and I cover the Washington Commanders for the Athletic. First off, of course, wanna wish everybody happy holidays and a Merry Christmas and a happy Hanukkah. This will probably be the last episode before the the ho- before the, the Well, actually it probably won't be the last episode before Christmas, seeing as how the Commanders play on Christmas Eve, but you know what I mean. It's it, it, we're, we're here, we're there. I want to wish everybody a happy holiday uh, season. We'll get to, in this, in this episode, our interview with former Washington head coach Jay Gruden and do a lot of football talk there. But we've got some good news as well to get to. The Commanders had a bunch of players get selected to the Pro Bowl, including one of the more heartwarming stories out there. Uh, Jeremy Reeves gets in as a special teams uh, player after years of being right there on the cusp of making an NFL roster un- not being able to make it by week one. He does this year and turns into a pro bowl year Kind of crazy story. We'll get to that and the other selections as well here in a moment on the standard room only podcast, which of course you can subscribe to on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you do your podcasting. Uh, also, this is the time, if you're looking for that extra holiday present or you just have yet to subscribe to The Athletic yourself, good time to do it. Huge sales over on The Athletic. If you go click on one of my articles, you will, uh, I believe, get to it, or you can go to The Athletic, and I'm sure you will see the uh, the options there. Uh, and I also want to mention, I ha- I'll have a new article up on Thursday on The Athletic. I spoke to some insiders and NFL thinkers about Washington's quarterback situation. What are they seeing with Taylor Heineke and the Scott Turner offense? Is it time to go to Carson Wentz? A whole bunch more, some good stuff, some na- some, some people you've heard about for sure. So uh, hopefully you guys can check that out on the athletic. Of course, also follow me on Twitter at Ben Standick. And in case there is news on Thursday, because that Thursday is the usual Friday practice that's when this team will will wrap it up. We'll hear probably if anybody's going to be a DNP, perhaps we'll get some f- final news on Chase Young, whether he plays or not. I'll share with you, though, what he had to say to us in a few minutes. Uh, excited to get to all that, but I, I want to start with the Pro Bowl because, look, the Pro Bowl game in itself, which is actually no longer in existence, they're now having some sort of like a fun games kind of weekend, but not actual football games like side kind of game things. The Pro Bowl game, when it was the actual game, I think it had you know, lost a lot of favor. That's why a lot of people are now, Why that's why the game doesn't even exist anymore. But the selection itself, for the most part, there's some popularity contest stuff for sure, but for the most part means a lot to these players. And I'm not talking about if they have uh, terms in their contract, that means they get extra money if they're selected. I'm just talking about, being honored by your peers, by fans, etc. And the commanders had a bunch of guys get in this year. Three players were named starters. Jonathan Allen going back for the second straight season. I don't think that one is a surprise to anybody. John Allen's had a tremendous season. It really is impressive how much how well he has played since signing his big contract extension. Before the 2021 season, uh, you know he and Duron Payne have been the anchors for this defense. It's been pretty good all year. Kudos to him; well deserved. He's a starter, and also, you know, not just the play. He is clearly like one of the big voices on the the, the team. He's not obviously one of the go tos they bring out to the media when something needs to be said, but he is a a a, a, a the the serious tone setter in that locker room. I would say almost the opposite demeanor from a personality perspective is puncher Tressway, who also uh, was selected as a starter. His second uh, selection, uh, needless to say, Way's had a huge game. Even in this Giants loss, he was putting the ball in the Reds inside the other team's 20 over and over and over again. The Giants couldn't have had a 97-yard touchdown drive if Tressway didn't get down the ball to three. I know we don't like the other part, but I'm just saying, Tressway uh, has had a great year. He, you know, we, we have all joked many times about him being the MVP and kind of what that says of this roster. And a, or a few years ago, that wasn't necessarily a great compliment, but he continues to perform at a high level. He's obviously the holder uh, for kicker Joey Sly, and... He is just, you know, he he is probably the mayor of that locker room. He he is just a beloved teammate, uh, great guy, great personality. He's he's that seems like the nicest guy in the world. I mean, he certainly is that way with us, or, or or when I've talked to him. So, congrats to Tress Way as well. Terry McLaurin is named a reserve. There's one more starter to go. Uh, kudos to Terry McLaurin for. A, similar to John Allen signing a big deal and then living up to it. Always it's tough to to tell which receivers are going to get in because it's such a crowded field. But I think Terry McLaurin really impressed uh, everybody this year with what he's been able to do. You know the touchdowns aren't there, but the other stats are pretty impressive. And as we know, in terms of a, of a of a locker room presence, as a speaker, as a communicator, he really is quite impressive to, uh, w- w- without a doubt. So kudos to Terry McLaurin, but then there is the other guy who is starter along with Alan and way. And that's Jeremy Reeves as the special teams performer. Um, he's really been impressive this year in that role. Uh, you know, I'd be lying. if I told you I could say, you know, it's like it's one thing to, to debate Terry McLaurin versus an AJ Brown versus somebody else, the special teams guys, you know, that, that's a whole, uh, that's a whole pretty niche thing to look around the league. but Jeremy Reeves has made uh, has made those plays. but what really stands out is just how far he has come, right because uh, our friend Ross Tucker who has been on this uh, podcast <clears throat> before, he tweeted out sort of the career transactions for Jeremy Reeves and it's really a testament to perseverance. He signs with the Eagles in 2018 as an undrafted free agent, gets waived before camp, signs with Washington September 12th, 2018 to the practice squad, and he was released six days later. Then he came back a month later. And from this point, it just became this way signed to the active roster back to the practice squad, back to the roster, back to the practice squad. Starts the next year in training camp, hopeful to make the team. Always seems to stand out, but then gets released right before the start of training camp and gets put back on the practice squad. This year, though, this year he makes the team. I remember talking to to Reeves in training camp, and, you know, you almost hesitate to even want to ask him about, uh, is this the year? Because you don't want to keep bringing it up, but he was pretty confident that he was going to make it. And, you know, obviously reached a point, you know, he wasn't really like a surprise ultimately by the time they did announce the, uh, the opening 53, but you never know. He makes it, and that in and of itself was tremendous. Just again, after all this time, he finally makes the week one roster. But now to be named a pro bowler, is quite remarkable. And if you haven't seen it by now, go go do yourself a favor, go on Twitter, go look for the Commander's um, handle, or you can look up, uh, you can go to my, at Ben Standick. Uh the, the Commander's put out a video of Ron Rivera telling the, each of these four players about their Pro Bowl selection. And more than half of the, I don't know, a couple minutes video was about Jeremy Reeves specifically. And he had, he and Ron Rivera had a, had a long embrace. He was moved. Uh, he couldn't even speak. <laughs> I think for most of the video, Tress Way was so excited to hear initially that Jeremy Reeves got in. Then he he asked Rivera that if he could stick around for when Rivera told him so he could be there. And those two guys hugged it out. You know, really just an incredibly great uh, emotional moment there. So congrats to all those guys. In addition, uh, Deron Payne was named a first team. Our, sorry, our first alternate Montez sweat, a second alternate. I don't know how the alternates will work in a year where there's no more game, but you know, some guys will go to the Pro Bowl, I am or sorry, go to the Super Bowl. I imagine some may you know tap out because of injury. Aaron Donald with the Rams could be a prime candidate for that, which would then open up a spot for Daron Payne. Uh regardless, impressive congrats to all of those guys. And like I said, for Jeremy Rees in particular to take the journey that he has to get to this point is really remarkable. Again, a really good video, you know, Ron Rivera with the players. I would urge everybody to check that out. And, uh, boy, you know, I mean, look, the commanders are – the fact that the commanders had a pretty big surge during the time of voting had to have helped the cause. The NFC East had just about half of the players – in the NFC Pro Bowl team, uh, the Eagles and Cowboys had a ton. I think 17 combined. The Giants had two. And then obviously Washington with four. So I guess it was 23, if I'm doing that math right. So, yeah, uh, impressive division, obviously, and well-represented uh, in this game. I, you can go check out uh, The Athletic. will have the list of all the players there. I know like Christian McCaffrey didn't make it. That seems to be one of the big snubs. Uh, of note, uh, but you can go check out the list there for everybody else. But that's who made it for Washington. I don't, I mean, it's really hard to argue that anybody else should have gotten in. I, you know, I mean, we can, you know, debate Duran Payne getting in, but, you know, if he's the first alternate, you know, what can you, what can you say? I, I will note, it's interesting, the commonality of these six players, all leftovers from the Jay Gruden and I guess to a degree, Kyle Smith regime. So interesting note there as well. Um, In terms of the the commanders, from an injury perspective for this game, Sadiq Charles was the only player for the last two days to be listed as DNP because of a concussion. So let's just argument, say say he is out. Uh, Benjamin St. Just told us on Tuesday that he anticipates playing this week after missing the previous three games plus the bye week on uh, because of an ankle injury so expect him out there this week as for chase young look i i don't know how to tell you other than the same story i have been telling you um ron rivera has sounded hopeful we spoke to chase young today though in the locker room and kind of the way it's been he just seems you know He's got the confidence of a young guy who's achieved everything he has achieved to this point in his career, but still is not ready to just come out and say, yeah, this is the week. Maybe that will be the case by the time they play on Saturday in San Francisco, but we don't know yet for sure. And until that's um, until he, until he's active, I, I'm not going to assume he will be. I think that the real issue for Washington here is the, from a short-term perspective if he doesn't get out there this week forget what it means long term if he doesn't get out there this week it almost seems to me pretty hard to to think you're going to rely on him going forward because whether they beat San Francisco or not they're going to have to go out there and um, you know win some more and then if you make the playoffs you know are you going to have a guy out there who's this rusty it's one thing almost to like bring up a player from the practice squad who maybe is not as talented as somebody he's replacing but at least he's been there with you all year. He's been practicing, doing all that stuff. Chase Young just simply obviously hasn't do, been doing much at all. He has, I guess, actually been practicing the last you know month or so. But, you know, he has not played at all. So there's going to be some level of rust. We know that already. Uh, but we'll see. I, you know, I, I imagine that everybody's already kind of at this point, you know, let's go already or, you know, you feel, you, you feel for the guy who's, you maybe not feeling quite right. Hopefully he'll be back soon. If and hopefully that means this week for everybody's sake, but we'll see about that for sure. I'm not ready to sit here and tell you he definitely will. Cause why would I, uh, until they say he definitely will after everything that's gone on here. Uh, but we will see about that. Other than, other than that there, you know, they seem to be pretty healthy. You know, there's a couple of guys, you know, limited on the injury report, but nobody that suggests um, they'll miss the, they'll miss the game. So, uh, that's good news. Beyond that, you know, obviously they're going to have to figure out a way to to slow down San Francisco on both sides of the ball. The I think I've been keep saying Joey Bosa, but I don't know. But Nick Bosa is a tremendous, uh, you know, pass rusher, uh, and you know, one of the best in the league. So he's somebody to keep an eye on. And then, of course, you know, they're just their defense overall is impressive. Rookie Brock Purdy has been s- s- shockingly impressive considering he was not just a rookie, but he was the last player picked in the entire draft. Um, that you know The Niners have a bunch of weapons. Of course, George Kittle at tight end, Brandon Auka at wide receiver, Christian McCaffrey. Maybe he'll be annoyed because of the Pro Bowl snub. We'll see. Uh, anyway, we'll get into more of that with Jay Gruden in a moment in terms of this game and where else that we are with the Commanders. But uh, that's it on all that. Again, congrats to the Pro Bowl selections. Kudos to to them and uh hopefully that good vibe you know that that good vibes will will get them uh some help on sunday there or saturday i should say they will probably need it against you know one of the main nfc uh title contenders but nonetheless with their defense and their playmakers you know i wouldn't put it past washington even if uh gulp i'm gonna say san fran probably wins but we'll see about all that all right um here is my conversation with former Washington head coach Jay Gruden about all kinds of things regarding the commanders, including uh, what happened on those penalties uh, late or the one penalty and the one non-penalty late in that Giants game. What's he see with Taylor Heineke? What, what does he think about using Carson Wentz and a whole bunch more here on the Standard Groom Only podcast.
2: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
0: All right, Uh, joining us as he does on Wednesdays here, well, he's Wednesdays with me on the podcast, at least, uh, former Washington head coach Jay Gruden. Uh, We've got a lot to discuss. Washington had a tough loss on Sunday night, huge game this week against san francisco and of course there's the ongoing quarterback question uh but first and foremost uh how is uh how's has life in your world uh going uh out on the golf course and otherwise
1: life is good you know life is very good down here it's a little cold down here a little windy it's gonna be tough golfing day today but sometimes you just gotta battle through the elements and uh, get your 18 in
0: um what what do, is do you uh are you at a level like you practice, like, in the wind? Like, for me, if I barely play, but, like, I would just – I'm hitting it no matter what I'm doing. Do you have, like, shots specifically if it's windy out there?
1: I'm not good enough for that. I try to keep it low, hands down. You know, it's just hard. I I try to TikTok a video on uh, how to hit it low into the wind, and I'll execute that plan for a couple holes, and then uh, forget about it by hole three.
0: Did you see – I don't know if you even care, but did you see the Masters is going to let the live golf guys play, the ones who have qualified already to play?
1: That's good. Why not? They're pro golfers. Let the pro golfers, the best golfers in the world to play in a masters.
0: It's hard to argue. Otherwise, I don't know what to think anymore with everything. The, the, the world is crazy. But as, as we know, uh, speaking of crazy, the, uh, the Washington commanders, Um, I don't know if it's crazy that they lost the other day, but at the NFC, their playoff hopes are still kind of all o- over the place. I know by now, everybody who cares about this team has had, has weighed in on, on on some of the main aspects of this game, so I don't want to linger on that too much. But I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask a, 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 a former coach or a coach, uh, what what uh, what the hell did you make of the end there between the Terry McLaurin penalty for illegal formation and then the non-interference call on Curtis Samuel? Which of those do you think would have put you uh, would have given you the coronary more?
1: Well, if they're going to call the Terry McLaurin penalty and say, hey we are going to call this game tight. I mean, we're going to be by the book, right? Then they have to call the PI, right? I mean, one or the other. You can't say, well, we didn't call a PI because, hey, we're going to let him play. It's a big game. We're going to let him play. But then we're going to call Terry McLaurin being a half a foot uh, off the ball. It just it doesn't work both ways, in my opinion. To me, I'd be more irate at the Terry McLaurin call because he checked twice and had no bearing on the play whatsoever. That's the play where the referee says, hey, Terry, next time get up on the ball a little bit or I'll throw the flag. Terry would say, okay, I'll scoot up more. That's all. They do it to tackles all the time. Hey, left tackle, you're lining up too deep. You better scoot up or I'm going to throw the flag next time. That's how it works. You don't wait till 25 seconds to go in the game when the game's on the line and it's a dive up the middle for a game possible scoring, tying, touchdown, and then throw the flag. It is ridiculous in my opinion.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's certainly crazy. You see – I mean, I guess the part – look, Terry said he seemed to communicate – with the official and you do see the official make some sort of a gesture in his direction, but he also immediately puts his hand in his pocket to throw the flag. And then the second, the snap comes there goes the flag. So like
1: now, if he would have said Terry, when Terry moved up and the motion came across, that was a legal motion. That's different. That's a penalty, but Terry clearly got set. The shift took place. Everybody was legal. Uh should have been no flag.
0: Uh, I mean, that's, yeah, that, that's that got to be so crazy. That's one of the things about the NFL. I mean, this is a little bit different than when we talk about, uh, you know, running like third or fourth and one and like the the chains are so, uh, you know, this, this billion dollar sport and like everything comes down to some you know, 1930s technology uh, of moving the chains. I mean, it just kind of feels like the same a little bit like I can't even tell like watching the play is Terry way off the line. I've had some people say he is like a yard off the line, even after he moves up. But I, I mean, who? it's just so weird that everything would even come down to that.
1: Yeah. Especially since he attempted to move up. Okay. Initially he was off the ball. They were shifted. I believe he was supposed to be off the ball when they shifted. Then he had to get back on the ball. He did. And then he scooted back up again uh, a second time, but you know, it's uh water under the bridge. So to speak now, it's important for the commanders to move on and, um, There still would have been a lot of football left to play. They had to get the two-point conversion. They would have had to go to overtime. They had to stop the Giants going to overtime. All that stuff still would have taken place. But you would love to see players make the plays to, to get the outcome of the game correctly, not having some controversial referee call uh, to have people talk about that as opposed to what the players did to uh, make the outcome what it was.
0: Yeah, no, no, no doubt. And, and, you know, I, I've said already this week, but, like, I'm not putting this loss on that end sequence. They, you know, had their opportunities, but they couldn't convert in the red zone. And, you know, I don't think the defense was terrible, but this was a game in which they didn't generate a sack or a turnover. And we have seen if the offense doesn't get help, they're seemingly incapable of picking up the defense because they just don't score enough points Um, to that end. Like for you, as you're watching the red zone inefficiencies, from what you could see, is there anything that stands out to you about the offensive play calling and kind of what wasn't working for them? Um, to, uh, not just this game, but really, you know, for, for, a good chunk of the season.
1: Yeah. I mean, in, in fairness to all play callers, it does get tougher down in the red zone. It's not like a cupcake cupcake. Hey, they're in the red zone. It's going to be an automatic touchdown. Uh, lanes get smaller. Windows are smaller. There's more people in the box to stop the run. Um, it does become more difficult, especially if you don't have some of these big one-on-one type winning presence type guys, a tight end that can win uh, one-on-one matchups, maybe a big receiver that can win a one-on-one phase or the big slants. Uh, we got receivers. You have, you have receivers that are quick and fast and, and can do some great things. Uh, your quarterback doesn't have necessarily that strong arm that can fit it between uh, two defenders or in tight windows. So it, it's tough for the players that they have to be ultra productive in the red zone without pounding it in there to Brian Robinson.
0: You know, you mentioned Brian Robinson, and I don't want to come back to him in a second, but he obviously was running very hard, very effective in this game, but only ultimately only got 12 carries and only played 24 snaps. It's easy for us on the outside to say, well, come on, you should have been running the ball more. Why isn't he playing more? As a guy who's called plays, what's the disconnect between like when we would say something like that and and, and a play caller, like do you realize in real time that that's happening that he's only gotten x amount of touches or is the game just flowing and you kind of don't even notice what's happening on that front like what why does why does that seem to happen sometimes where and even the coach might say afterwards yeah we have to give so and so the ball more what's happening in real time that maybe you do you don't notice it or you do but you can't deal with it
1: the game the way the game's going you know i think early on their intent was to give him the ball they're up three to nothing, then a couple series later, sack fumble, they're down 7-3. Then the Giants get the ball back, and it's 14-3. So now the circumstances have changed considerably. Now you have to throw the ball at the end of the half to try to get some points, and then the second half, you're down, and you got to throw the ball, and by the time you look at the stat sheet, we had 50 plays of offense, and that's it. You know what I mean? Usually when Brian gets all those carries, they have 65 to 75 plays in a game, so they weren't able to finish drives, maintain drives, or get the giant. Offense off the field. Giants offense. Daniel Jones had 32 pass attempts and uh, Saquon had a lot of carries and they had the ball and, and a lot of time of possession. So they just didn't get the opportunities. And when they did get the opportunities they could maintain the drives well enough to get Brian the necessary touches to be productive in that type of game.
0: I, I am thoroughly enjoying watching Brian Robinson um, run with the football. I mean you know, if, if, if the beast mode nickname wasn't already attached to somebody else like and, and you said, what about that for him? I'd be like, sure. Cause he is just running so hard. I worry that he's running so hard. It might, it might cut his career short, <laughs> but at the well, same point, it's a lot of fun. What, 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 what do you make now of like watching him yeah. after all, all these weeks? That's
1: the, way, that's the way great backs have to run. And that's why, unfortunately for running backs, their careers are not very long other than maybe Adrian Peterson and a few of select others, uh, the pounding that they take, the physicality that they run with. And when you get a guy like Brian, uh, you got, do the best you can to take care of him, and during the week in practice, and uh, make sure he's getting the necessary treatment. Even if he doesn't have any bumps and bruises, make sure you take care of his body daily. Off season, after the game on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, make sure he's taking care of his body because he is a physical runner, and he makes that team a heck of a lot better when he's in the lineup.
0: Um, I asked questions this week about what's the identity of this offense at this point. I was asking it because. It feels like sometimes to me they're caught between having this power running back, this ball control offense that's been working, right? But they also have these receivers, and clearly at the beginning of the year, the entire reason for getting Carson Wentz is to open up the passing game more, and it feels like they're sometimes caught between these two worlds. Is that a thing? Like I I, I like to view it from the outside, like, Here's the game between these two teams. And in a general level, this is what this team is going to do on offense. Uh, I don't know if that's how coaches look at it, but that's how I think a lot of us on the outside do. What, what is that a fair way to look at it? And if so, what is the identity of this offense, you think, at this point, or should it be?
1: Well, their identity has, has to be a physical run-first type offense, despite the fact that they have great toys on the outside with the receiving core that they have. You can't let that... Uh, uh, take you away from this is who we are and this is our best chance to win each week. And that is to be physical, run the ball, eat up the clock, put our defense in great situations with a field position and then uh, try to win ugly. That's just a fact of the matter. Your quarterback play is not good enough to, to utilize the weapons like they should be on the outside and you have a great running back and a great offensive line. So let's utilize those weapons. We can do that and we can work some play action. Heineke and Wentz both work some play action. They can work some quick game to get the ball to the, the toys on the outside. But at the end of the day, uh, the meat and potatoes of this team is playing uh, good defense and running a football, playing field position battles and winning close games, hunting very well and making field goals when you have to playing good special teams.
0: So that said, there's three games left. The playoffs are still attainable. But, you know, you're going to have to win probably at least two to, to put yourself in. So based on that, based on the personnel, based on the quarterbacks, based on what we we're saying about being this power running, you know, run first kind of a team, which quarterback at this point are you going with?
1: Well, I, I don't have enough evidence as far as going to practice and being an off-season program and sitting with them in meetings to make a choice between Carson and Heineke. Based on what I've seen on tape, uh, personally, I'd probably – uh, stick with Heineke this week just because of his ability to move a little bit better um, than Wentz. And I would never have thought I'd say that when Wentz was a rookie because he had great movement skills. I just feel like those have diminished a little bit as his career has lengthened. But uh, the fact of the matter is, you're going to have to run the ball against 49ers anyway. Um, you're going to have to stop the run against them. Um, so a few movement plays by Taylor that might make the difference in the game. I'd probably go with Heineke uh, to see how it goes early. Then always be ready to throw in Carson. Carson's a pro. He's been a he's been a starting quarterback in some big games. And I'm sure he can come in, in a second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter and give you what he's got. So uh but I, I think I'd stick with Heineke to start.
0: My, my guess is based on what we've heard uh from Rivera the last this week and, and after the game is basically it sounds to me like if Heineke had not if they had not scored on offense the first drive of the second half, that he was ready to go to Wentz. And therefore I would imagine he's going to feel the same way this game. So if they're down 14-3 again at halftime, I would think we we see Wentz. You mentioned, though, the, the mobility as the big reason to maybe keep Heineke in there, which totally makes sense, especially this week against San Francisco. You know, easily one of the better defenses. you got Joey Bosa and all that. But let me ask you this. The, the command, so this game, the Giants sack Heineken three or four times, get eight quarterback hits. You know, part of the reason to keep him is like you said, the mobility, but if he's getting sacked and hit at that point, does it matter then if, even if he's a little bit better than Wentz, uh, I mean, maybe if he's getting hit at those rates, maybe Wentz's numbers are double. I, I don't know, but if he's still getting, if Heineke's getting hammered enough or getting harassed enough, but we're, but then Washington is still losing out on the big play potential. Is it still worth it then to go with the mobility? If you're missing out on the big play?
1: Well, I think part of the reason you're in the position that you're in as far as battling for the playoff spot is because Heineke came in and provided you with the spark. So we can't argue that fact. Let's give him credit where credit's due there. So let's let him uh, start another week against the number one defense in the league and see how he does. And if he struggles a little bit, you got another uh, bullet in your gun. Uh, You might as well use it and try Wentz and see if he can get you the spark, maybe to get you over the top in the playoffs and uh, maybe make a run and, and beat somebody in the playoffs. But, uh, let's not forget Heineke has done some great things this year. Give him another shot and uh, uh, see how he does.
0: They are. Uh, it's interesting. Like they are actually the offensive line. Ultimately, is I think the real question for these guys on some. Uh, you know, not that, not that Heineke playing behind the best offensive line in the world would make give him more arm strength, right? But like at least perhaps we would have more time. They are actually having the offensive line is giving up a higher pressure rate, or the team is, I should say with heineke than they are overall in the whole season um so it's actually gotten worse is my point (laughs) over the course of the year and and i don't know what they're going to be what you can do about that at this point but i guess that's the question what can you do about that at this point if the personnel is what it is other than like keeping two tight ends out there like what what can you do to help there
1: run the ball keep the game close that's 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 the issue that's the other issue that you have with throwing the ball and let's get the ball out to Samuel. Let's get the ball out to McLaurin. We got all these receivers uh, can't protect very well. All right. And if you uh, can't drop back two and a half seconds to let Terry and Samuel run at least 15 to 20 yards down the field, then what's the point? <laughs> your quarterback's going to get hit. So you got to be able to run the ball, utilize your screens, the quick game and your bootlegs uh, to try to get some max protection plays, to get the guys down the field at, at appropriate times. Uh, but that's that's all you got because you're not going to be able to drop back if you get down fourteen nothing to the 49ers and you're relying you're right on your passing game to get you back. It ain't going to happen. So you have to keep the game close. You have to win the field position battle. Let's let them. Let's let Purdy make a mistake. You know what I mean? Make him go eighty five yards. I know they got a great running game and a great offensive line, but still, um, there's a lot of variables that can happen in an 80-yard drive in 12 or 15 plays. So um, I think it's important for them to just continue to run the ball, um, pass, short pass the game and play actions, and that's the best chance they have um, with whoever the quarterback is.
0: Right, right. I, I wanted to ask you this. Um, you obviously were often the play caller, but not always. Uh, when I asked Rivera this week about the his, what he thought the team's offensive identity was, he, he gets into some, he gets into about, uh, you know, being a, 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 a team that runs, you know, runs downhill. We can do play action off that, uh, et cetera. And then he, in the sentence, it's in the paragraph, it says, we've been successful. That has been success. We, we've seen, sorry. We've seen that has been successful and we've got to continue with that type of mentality. In my opinion, dot, dot, dot. Uh, if he's saying in my opinion, it seems to me he's suggesting that others have other opinions, which is reasonable, but he's the head coach. I mean, I'm not trying to ask you to necessarily infer getting around Rivera's head, but if he's saying, in my opinion, it seems like he's saying Scott Turner thinks one thing and I have given him carte blanche to kind of do what he wants. So I give my input, but ultimately he's making the call. Is that fair interpretation? Or
1: I don't think so. I think he's got, if, if Ron wants to run the ball, I believe that Washington will run the ball. Like if it's third down and one, it's got thermal dials up a, a seven step drop pass. And <laughs> I'm sure Ron can say, yeah, dumbass, run the ball. And, and that'll be it. They'll run the ball. I think in his opinion, meaning that, you know, when when they get outside of that comfort zone of being able to run the ball, having those opportunities to run the ball and are forced to throw it, they don't have a lot of success when they're forced to throw it, playing from behind or uh, protecting the quarterback. So obviously, In his opinion, everybody's opinion is clear that the best attack for Washington is to be able to run the ball successfully. But you also have to be diverse. You can't just say, hey, we're a run first team and we're going to play. Not every team is going to allow you to do that. You still have to have some diversity with some jet sweeps some reverses, some screens, all that stuff to keep the defense off balance. Um, But at the end of the day, when you look down at the stat sheet, you see Brian Robinson. I had 22 carries for 98 yards or 110 yards you bet your bottom dollar is a close game or Washington one. If you look at it, he has eight carries for six fifty yards. And, and Heineke was threw the ball 36 times. I'll bet you they lost. You know what I mean? So I think that's what he's saying.
0: I, 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 I hear you. I want to ask you about San Francisco in a second, but let me spin this forward here to, to the quarterback situation. So you're saying you would probably stay with Heineke right now, but you know, obviously, We I wouldn't think that right now, unless there's a big turnaround with Wentz at the end of the year, that either guy would be projected to be the likely starter next year. But it's not like there's a lot of great quarterback options in terms of you can't you you can't just snap your fingers and get a Pro Bowl starting quarterback. That's obviously typically not so easy. There are a lot of quarterbacks, though, that are interesting out there in the sort of range of the guys that we're talking about on the team this year. Let's put Tom Brady aside. I, I don't imagine he's coming to Washington. But you do have, you know, your Jimmy Garoppolo's. Daniel Jones is going to be a free agent. We'll see if the Giants tag him or sign him to a deal. You have a guy like a Baker Mayfield who, you know, obviously he's had ups and downs, but like he's sort of a Heineken version with a bigger arm. Um Keep going down the list. You know, Smith is technically poised to be a free agent. And then you have, you know, your, your, your old guy, Andy Dalton. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll take Lamar Jackson off the table here as well. If I tell you, here's the team Washington has right now with this personnel, you know, Terry's under contract. Dotson was just drafted. Robinson was just drafted. Let's assume they work on their offensive line. The defense is what it is. Is there a quarterback that you would say all things being equal. That's the guy that I think makes sense for what this team is trying to do.
1: No, no, it's a very difficult spot. A lot of teams are stuck in this uh, quarterback quandary every year, changing quarterbacks every year, trying to find the right guy. Uh, I think you keep the guy that you have and uh, try to draft one. Um, unless somebody like Derek Carr or somebody that uh, falls three, maybe Aaron Rodgers uh, gets out of there. Somehow those are different type of scenarios. But if you're changing uh, Wentz or Heineke to Baker, May- you- you're not really upgrading. You're just all you're doing is create more chaos at the position. And there's no consistency to offseason meetings and getting to know a guy and understanding the offense. Year two, a quarterback understands the offense is a hell of a lot more comfortable than year one, just so you know. So uh, I don't know. I don't know how they feel about Heineke or Wentz, but I would err on keeping the one they like better there.
0: Uh Heineke's a free agent. Uh Wentz is has two years left on his deal, but they there's no uh, guaranteed money. So they could release him and move on. Otherwise his contract is in like the mid-20s. Uh, I would assume, even if you said let's keep Wentz, that you would think, well, we got to negotiate this contract down, though, because based on the whole circumstance, his last previous years, how this year has gone, is that was that how you would be thinking? Or
1: like I said, I don't know Wentz that well as far as a person or how he is in the meeting rooms with the other players. But if I'm paying a guy twenty plus million dollars, he better be that alpha male that can control my locker room and, and be a leader of our football team. If not, then I'd, I'd, I'd just keep uh high and look at the draft and maybe other, some other free agents that might shake loose uh, to compete and maybe take the job uh, from him. But um, it's a tough call. It really is. You know, you, you just can't make these changes year in and year out and expect somebody to be the savior, like a Baker Mayfield or somebody like that. You got to try to build around that position. If you don't have the, marquee guy you got to build around that position hopefully Heineken or Wentz is good enough and surround him with better players and and go from there
0: I I asked Ron yesterday a very way too early question but I didn't have anything else to ask and that is when last offseason they made the choice to go get another quarterback they were looking for something more grand and ultimately they went for Wentz who obviously early in his career as you noted was an MVP candidate and all that but but last year the defense was coming off a pretty miserable year you didn't have the power running game definitively with Brian Robinson. They obviously hadn't even drafted him yet. And you don't necessarily know what you have in place. Now that you do know this, if the defense is a legitimately a top 10 defense and you have the weapons that they have, does it make – obviously you want to get the best quarterback you can, but does it make it more palatable to go with – I mean, it could, be, it could be Wentz or Heineke, but go with the – Jacoby Brissett or a Daniel Jones like somebody who's not viewed great but good enough and with the right pieces maybe is a guy that you know like back here in the day you had Mark Rippon who was you know he won a Super Bowl but it's not like people are going Mark Rippon's like one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time he had a great scenario and it worked out is there is it more palatable to do that now seeing that the other pieces you have
1: with the it's the same scenario with Wentz or Heineke. If you throw in another guy that might be just a tad better or a tad worse or whatever, you're learning a new system. If you surround any one of these quarterbacks that you mentioned uh, with great players, they should succeed. Jacoby's a good quarter. Daniel Jones is solid. Uh, Wentz has shown he's been good at some point in his career. Heineke's you know he's he's got a winning record as a starter. Uh, so uh, from a talent standpoint, probably Daniel Jones is probably the youngest, most physically talented guy. He doesn't have a cannon of an arm. Um, but very similar skill set to Wentz uh, when Wentz was a rookie, I guess, so to speak. But, you know, it's just hard to say. The, the key is to make sure you continue to upgrade your team, your tackle spots, maybe your guards on the interior, your interior lineman got to be better protecting the quarterback. Uh, you got to get a better presence at tight end in the run game. Probably there's a lot of issues they can address on offense. Um, also probably get another linebacker uh, can run a little bit better. You know, there's a lot of things they can, Address it's just it's just very hard at the quarterback position at this point in the season to actually know who's available and who actually is an upgrade without the film and the necessary uh, due diligence.
0: Um, the to just to stay on the went part for a second, like because next year is a variable. Like you can't. I mean, I'm assuming that they, there won't be a coaching change. We don't even know who the owner is going to be. I'll assume there won't be a coaching change. So like, if you're you know the uh team would be better off i i think logically if wentz was able to be the guy because he has the bigger arm and all that um putting aside that the offensive line is kind of leaky i would think on some level you'd want to ultimately therefore see him play with the brian robinson situation because he didn't have that most of the time he was in in the lineup and if you just then call the same plays you're going with heineke more ball control and not trying to do what they were doing with Wentz earlier. In theory, of him, you know, holding the ball out, looking down the field consistently, but you know, he could do play action out with a real run game. Is that something that would just might be factoring all together the most appealing thing, big picture, even if Heineke is maybe the short term better answer?
1: Yeah, probably. Like I said, a lot depends on leadership ability and uh, and how people play for him. Um, you know, obviously, people play really hard for Heineke for some reason. It just seems like it anyway. I don't know. I'm just a fan watching the game. Um, but a lot has to be said about the leader of your locker room and your team. Um, But Carson clearly can do this, execute the same plan that Heineke's been executing. If that's what you're saying, that's that there's no doubt about it. And I think that's why uh, coach Rivera is probably thinking to himself, if Heineke struggles, we'll go to Wentz, because if we do get behind, he's got a better chance to probably bring us back with a drop back game. So, you know, it's a great dilemma that they have. And I'm sure that, uh, any team that's having a quarterback dilemma usually is not going to challenge for Super Bowl victories, <laughs> yeah. you know, so that's unfortunate, but they got to get the quarterback situation fixed. I tried to get it fixed, couldn't get it done and, uh, had some injuries and all that stuff. And that's why I'm sitting here at Atlanta beach, getting ready to play golf.
0: I mean, it's, I mean, I, we've talked about this before. It's just gotta be so incredibly annoying, especially as an offensive guy that you have all these thoughts and all these things you want to do. And you can't, Ultimately executed the way that you would like because there's only so many human beings apparently at any given time who play quarterback at a particularly high level. It's just pretty rare to have uh, a team be really good and a quarterback be just sort of just the yep. guy, which is to some degree what, what they're at right now.
1: Well, yeah, I wouldn't say just the guy. I mean, they're one of the top 32 players and quarterbacks in the NFL, which is saying a lot. I mean, these, these guys both have a skill set that they belong in the NFL. Now, when you compare them to Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow and Aaron Rodgers, then you're like, man, it'd be nice to have those guys. But not every team has those. There's only about seven or eight of those elite-type guys, Jalen Hurts, and, and those guys included. Uh, everybody else is is looking for that guy. And the guys that don't have them, you better run the ball. You better play great defense mm-hmm. and special teams.
0: Yeah, no, no disrespect to Heineke or Wentz by calling them a jag. It's just I meant, like, if you don't hey, have hey, one of those top guys, you're
1: – Yeah, you know, and that's every- why – every year quarterbacks go a lot higher than anticipated people trade up and try to take chances on quarterbacks early in a draft. And uh, some teams will get lucky as hell and get a Jalen hurts in the second or third round or get a Brock Purdy in the seventh round, but you got to take them. Hopefully they hit like a lottery ticket and your franchise will be set for 20 years.
0: Um, Yeah, for sure. You mentioned Brock Purdy. Obviously he's going to be starting for San Francisco on Saturday Uh, you know, I mean, this has obviously been a crazy start for him. He's, you know, the literal last pick in the draft has looked really sharp so far. I, I guess if he keeps this up, that says a lot about what Kyle Shanahan is able to do with that offense that you can plug and play a guy with no experience overlooked by the draft experts to that degree. But what have you seen so far from that combination that's been able to work so well?
1: Well, he's, he's exactly like Heineke, to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, he can execute the intermediate passes. He's got escapability a little bit. Uh, he can hand the heck of, hand off the ball like a champ, right? And when the game's in your favor, if you have a lead and you have good field position, because your defense is setting you up every single series, you're going to be successful handing the ball off to Christian McCaffrey and throwing the ball to George Kittle or Brandon Iyuk or Debo Samuel when he gets back healthy. Running behind Trent Williams. They have the best left tackle in the game and they have one of the top 10 right tackles in the game. Uh, they're good on the interior. So, and they play unbelievable defense. So, um, doesn't take a great play caller to understand that. Hey, let's hand the ball to McCaffrey. Let's throw some screens outside uh, a couple traps here and there, maybe some zone blocking, maybe some gap blocking, uh, and then some play passes, some RPOs. Now let's get out of here and win 24 to 20 or 24 to three. I mean, what the heck?
0: Yeah, no, uh, n- no, uh, no doubt. Uh, so from what, how does Washington's defense, which obviously for the, you know, for this year at this point has been pretty good. What's the key do you think for them, anything to key on specifically to get uh to, to slow down that offense enough to help their offense stay in the game?
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be hard. Um, obviously they're going to probably have to get out of their shells a little bit. Maybe they, they have been playing some more single high and some more five man fronts here and there. and They're going to have to load up the box and say, come on, Brock, throw the ball to IUP and hopefully they can stand up and cover them and and try to get them into some third and longs and really make them work to the drop back passing game. So that's no different than when they're playing uh, some of these other teams, like the Giants, when when we said they had to stop Saquon and McDaniel throw it to those receivers. Uh, Very similar game plan, and I'm sure the same will go for San Francisco. They're going to dare Heineke to throw the ball, and they're going to attack the line of scrimmage.
0: Washington is typically playing five defensive backs with three safeties is one of those safeties Do you think it will be mostly tasked with dealing with McCaffrey because he's such a dynamic threat or is this where Jamin Davis is really going to have to step up with his coverage, um, uh, against him.
1: Uh, they're not a man to man type defense. I don't think Jamin Davis will be matched up on McCaffrey. If he lines up outside, if, if he does run out there and Jamin Davis runs out there one-on-one against McCaffrey, uh, the safety better be aware of where he is, uh, cause it'll be a, a nightmare for him. So, um, I think there'll be a lot of zone coverage concepts with some man elements within the zones, uh, some carry type things. Uh, but for the most part, those safeties that come down, they'll have to rotate uh, based on motions and fly motions and all that stuff. So both safeties are going to have to play a major part, all three safeties, a major part in the run defense.
0: Um, And I, I need to let you go. I, I you know, I hate, it feels like a lot of times when I talk to you or I listen to other people talk to you, it turns into you that, you know, this is your life when we re- reminisce about your time I, as the head coach here, I try not to do that, but obviously this is a game where Trent Williams is is playing and, and obviously he was there with you and you know a lot of success. He also held out that last year which you know was your, your last year, I mean. Do you when you, I don't know if you you don't seem like much of a what if guy in life. You don't seem like you're looking back on what if this had happened whatever, but is, is Trent Williams one of those moments where you think what if he doesn't hold out and he plays and we don't go start the year you know the way we did maybe things are different or, or do you not ever think of things like that
1: well I think about it all the time and not just Trent Trent was our highest paid offensive lineman Jordan Reed was our highest paid receiver slash tight end and our quarterback was out for the year our highest paid player so three of our highest paid players on offense never played and Darius Geis was going to be my bell cow like a Brian Robinson type guy second round pick who I love but he never played so those are my four best players that I've never played so that's my big what if
0: yeah, no, uh, no, no, no doubt. Uh, do you, I guess, ultimately your prediction? Do you see Washington getting this done? I think they're like a seven or eight point underdog, which, whatever, doesn't mean anything. But San Fran's been hot, but they also have this quarterback who is still relatively unknown. What do you think? What what's your what chance percentage or what do you think happens here uh, on Saturday?
1: I would be shocked if there's a lot of points scored in this game. I think it's gonna be a low scoring game, and it's gonna come down to a field goal or. Uh, it's going to be a, a one-score game, and it's going to be tight. It's going to be a close game. I think if Sam Fran thinks they're just going to come in here run the ball between the tackles uh, between Jonathan and, and Deron Payne, uh, they're going to be in for a surprise, and they're going to have to do some different things throwing the ball, and they're going to rely on Purdy a little bit more, and I think uh, that's where Washington has the advantage if they can do that. If they can stop the run, um, then obviously it'll be a good day for Washington. But I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. I, I give Washington a, a big chance in this game to win.
0: By the way, one last thing tripped on memory lane, an in, insane weekend for the NFL with all these incredible games, Kirk cousins leads the greatest comeback in NFL history. And it was the biggest comeback since the, uh, you like that game with, 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 with you. Was it uh kind of fun to see Kirk, uh, doing that again?
1: Yeah, I remember that game. I was, that was actually probably saved my job. I think I was probably gonna get fired if we didn't win that game. And he came back and, you know, I can remember telling him that, uh, you know, ordinary people don't do this type of thing i mean he's a special guy and uh i just knew as a matter of time before he got treated uh with the respect he deserved in the national football league and and when you see a quarterback come back from 33 down or 17 down or do what he did uh it's about time to give kirk a little bit more respect
0: <laughs> yeah I, I i hear you on that uh jay i really appreciate the time as always good luck out on the golf course uh you know happy uh, merry christmas to you and the family this week as well enjoy uh you won't see any snow where you are but enjoy uh the holiday spirit regardless
1: all right thanks man i'll talk to you later
0: yeah man